Man, we love your church. Who was here at the date night on Friday? You guys had yes. fun? Man, we had a ball. That was so much fun. We did. We had so much fun. I mean, there was dancing, there was comedy, there was mingling. It was awesome. So much fun. Well, as I said before, we are Dave and Ashley Willis of EXO Marriage and the Naked Marriage Podcast, and we're so excited to be with you. We just wanted to tell you a little bit more about us before we talk about sex today. That's right. We're talking about <laughs> sex today. And uh, we are the parents of four boys. We're going to share a picture with you. This was on graduation day for our oldest, Cooper, and he is now in his second week of college at the University of Georgia. Go dogs! I know we don't have any dog fans here, but we're gonna say go dogs. Oh, we do? Uh, yeah. Awesome, yes, go. awesome, okay. Um, but we have, like I said, four boys ranging in ages eight to 18. They're all, they all have C names, Cooper, Connor, Chandler, Chatham, and then our dog's name is Chi-Chi. And so like, literally, our friend pointed out it's the Cocos and the Cha-Chas. We did not mean to do that, but we trip over their names on the daily, and life is as crazy and interesting as it seems. Oh, yeah. It's, yes. it's so much fun. It is so much fun. We love what we get to do. Encouraging couples. We, we also, we talk a lot about marriage, and specifically, we talk a lot about sex, which makes our children ashamed of us. Because, like, you know, our 16-year-old's here with us. Imagine yourself in a room full of people where your parents are on stage talking about sex, and you have to listen to it. So our kids are going to have a lot to tell their therapist about someday, but... <laughs> We, we, we love what we get to do. We love being able to talk about God's gift of sex because we live in a world where there are so many broken messages about it. Our kids are growing up in a world, your kids are growing up in a world where there are so many untrue and broken messages related to sex and identity and, and all of these issues, and yet God has got such a beautiful plan for it because this is something God made, guys. God created sex. Our God is not a boring God. This was his idea. Right. He made it, and it's a gift, a beautiful gift within marriage, but we live in a world where there are a whole lot of counterfeit messages about it. That's right, and these counterfeit messages, they start young, you guys, and it's not just like necessarily the big bad things that we know, like pornography and things like that. We're talking like Disney movies, okay? There's some like creepy relationships in Disney movies. Can we not just own that for a minute? I mean, don't you think, sweetie, like they're, they're kind of interesting scenarios, wouldn't you say? Yeah it, start, yeah, it starts young. So our ideas of romance and, and then sex, you know, we, it starts young with these, these weird, weird ideas like Sleeping Beauty, Dude's making out with a girl while she's in a coma, right? It's, that's creepy, right? And it's illegal, I'm pretty sure. Illegal. You yeah. know, and then like every Disney movie like has some kind of weird love story. And then you, we grow up and we graduate to like Hallmark movies. How many of you guys like Hallmark movies? You know you love them. You know I you love too. them. Yeah, they're yes. addictive. If you've never seen one, here's what happens. It always happens at Christmas for some reason. You go home right now, turn on Hallmark, it's going to be Christmas and it's a love story. It's the same four actors and the same four actresses swapping roles in the same one plot over and over. Yeah. And, and I'm going to tell you the plot right now of every Hallmark movie. And this will save you a lot of time because you won't have to ever watch one again. So this is, this is every Hallmark movie. It always starts with a young lady. Her name's usually Madison. Maddie. And Maddie works in a big city, but she's really a small town girl. Now, Maddie's engaged to this really good-looking rich guy, but he's kind of a jerk when all of a sudden... Madison's mom calls, and for some reason, Madison has to go back to her quaint little snow-covered hometown for some reason, and she's so mad about it. Mom, I'm planning a wedding, and I'm busy. I don't want to come home. But she goes, gets in an argument with her mom, and then, to clear her head, she goes stomping through the woods on a hike with a cute little snow outfit and snow gently falling when there, she sees through the trees. What is that? It's, it's a sexy lumberjack. What? Of course it is. Why is there a sexy lumberjack in my parents backyard and then she gets closer and she's like 
Chad from high school? Like, <laughs> the nerdy guy who had a crush on me? How did you get so hot? And he's like, well, I've been working out. And, and they're like, well, let's go get some coffee. And all of a sudden, Madison and Chad, they're having some coffee. She starts having these feelings for Chad, but what about her big city boyfriend? She doesn't know what to do, but the heart wants what it wants. So she calls and she dumps that big city jerk. She tells Chad, I want to be with you. Yeah. And he gets down on one knee and he pulls out the biggest diamond she's ever seen. And she goes, Chad, how did you afford this? You're just a poor lumberjack. And he says, no, I'm, I'm just a lumberjack as a hobby. I own a multi-million dollar scented candle company. <laughs> and, and then they kiss. The end. It's that's, that's every Hallmark movie. You're welcome. Every time. You never have to watch another one. Yeah. As soon as you see the lumberjack, it's over. You know where the story is going. Every, every time. time. Yeah. But you know, there's rarely a sequel to these Hallmark movies. Because if they had a sequel, they would have to own some of the real life stuff, right? Yeah. Like, you know, a couple years later, Madison's not only still fighting with her own mother, she's fighting with Chad's mom now, right? So there's oh, yeah. like in-law issues. And I mean, the snow melted off that town, and the place looks like a dump without the snow. Right, they need the snow. Chad blew out his knee in a, in a lumberjack accident. Now he's got a beer gut, and the scented candle company's going under. Happens. And just like real life stuff yes. is setting in, right? And that's why life is actually better than a Disney movie or a Hallmark movie, because God's real plan for a love story, a lifelong love story between two people growing together in every every aspect of intimacy for a life through all the struggles of life and the ups and downs and the real moments that, that don't fit in the, in the artificial image of some of these stories that we see. It's actually something so much better and so much more beautiful than anything Hollywood could come up with. And so specifically, as it relates to God's plan for sex, that's what we want to talk about today because that's the one area where this world has gotten so many false messages and it's fed to us through entertainment, through, through culture, through education. And in so many places, we're getting this false narrative. And we need to, as the church, come back to the truth, the beautiful truth of what sex is and how we can all, in whatever season of life we're in, embrace that gift appropriately and the way that God intended. Exactly. And the truth about sex is this. Sex is a beautiful gift from God within marriage and a dangerous trap outside of marriage. And I know those are kind of, it can be, you know, it's exciting on one hand and then it's kind of sobering on the other, but the Bible actually has a lot to say about sex because sex is, is very powerful in the sense that it brings two people together in a way like nothing else does because that's the way God designed it. He designed sex to be for a husband and a wife who have pledged their lives to one another right before God, right? And then they're supposed to have this beautiful culmination of the physical, of the mental, of the emotional, of the spiritual when it comes to sex. And you know, when it comes to sex specifically, I believe the enemy really has it out for us Christians because he knows that we know that marriage is something that is blessed by God and sex is something that God designed for marriage. And so the enemy wants to do everything he can to convince us that it was his idea. And, and I think one of the narratives in the world today that many of us believe, okay, Christian and non-Christian alike, is like, you know what, no big deal, have sex with whoever you want outside of marriage, just have fun. It's not gonna really hurt anybody. But you know what, when you get married, I mean, it's not gonna be great anyway, so don't even prioritize it and just have less sex. You know, no big deal, it's just gonna get worse and worse from there. I mean, that's really a narrative that a lot of these young people are believing, so much so that they're not even wanting to get married. They're like, why? I've not seen this done right. You know, sex is just something to fulfill my needs and maybe the needs of somebody else, and it's, you know, whatever. I mean, that's really how our culture sees sex. Like it's not this thing that we hold so dear. 
But every time the Bible talks about sex, it's always within the covenant of marriage. And it's seen as something that is a gift. A gift that we're not supposed to open until marriage. But we do live in a a fallen world where we know it's not like it was in the Garden of Eden at first with the first married couple, Adam and Eve. You know, it says that he created them and he blessed them. And it says that Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed. For one moment in time, it was just Adam and Eve and the Lord. And there was this unity and oneness. And they were being open and honest and vulnerable with each other. There were no secrets. Dave likes to say they had no secrets up their sleeve because they weren't wearing sleeves. They were naked, you know, and yes, they were physically naked. I think when we, see, when we hear naked and unashamed, we think of only the physical, and that's an important part of marriage and an awesome part, right? But it's not just that. We, when we enter marriage, we're supposed to be naked and unashamed, naked physically, yes, but naked spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and, and that's how we really get to know each other because we're able to trust one another when we don't hold back from each other, when we don't have secrets, when we're being vulnerable, But we know that Adam and Eve in the garden, it didn't stay that way for very long. Because right when God created the first marriage, we see the enemy enter the picture as a serpent, trying to tell Adam and Eve that God's holding out something on them, that he doesn't have their best interest in mind, they can't really trust him. They go and eat from the one tree that he said not to eat from, and it says their eyes were open, and the first thing they do is they go and try to run from God, which I think is kind of funny, you know, but they tried. And the second thing they did is they started covering up their bodies from one another. That's where you see shame enter the picture. And ever since then, we've dealt with that. That's the reality we live in. But we believe in reading the word and seeing God's truth that God wants us to get back to the garden. He wants us to live naked and unashamed. And we can only do that with his help. But it takes us being intentional in seeing, God, in seeing God's creation of sex the way that he designed it and not listening to this, this counterfeit message of the world because we can trust God and everything that he tells us is, it is for our best interest and for his glory. And so we have to understand what is it that he's called us to when it comes to this gift of sex and how can we navigate this? Because all of us have baggage when it comes to sex. We all have mixed messages. Even if we waited to have sex until marriage or maybe you're currently waiting to have sex until marriage, a lot of times because of the world we live in, we have all these false messages going around in our mind that are kind of setting us up for disappointment and even being disillusioned maybe once we do get married. But for a lot of us in the room too, we've made decisions where we've had sex before marriage or maybe, you know, we've had things done to us that we didn't want, that were abusive and we don't know how to process that and we've got all this shame attached to that. You know, we all have different things we're dealing with. But when it comes to marriage, whatever kind of baggage that we're bringing in there, we need to be honest about it. We need to seek healing about it and we've got, we've got to talk to our spouse about it. And what we believe and what we've seen in our own marriage and in the work that we do is when we're, we're having those kind of conversations, we're able, we're able to get to a place of intimacy that we didn't even know we could have. But there's different seasons involved with this. There are different seasons. And that's what we wanna talk about. The, the, we call this talk the seasons of sex because in our world, I think things get out of, out of whack quickly when we take something that's good, a good gift, but we use it in the wrong way or in the wrong season. The Bible says this in Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse one, for everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. So if for everything there is a season, then for sex there are seasons of sex. And we wanna talk about 
what that looks like. That's what these chairs behind me represent, or the, the visual illustration of the seasons of sex, because maybe you're like me, and it helps you to visualize things. And so the, the first season of sex is represented by this, this chair. We've all sat in a chair like this before. This is what we call the waiting room season. This is just a regular waiting room chair. And when you're in this chair, you're, you're waiting, right? And this represents the season of singleness, where you're, you're, you're waiting and you're hoping to be married or hoping to be remarried. And in this season of singleness, you're tempted in so many ways to make compromises sexually because the enemy wants you to have as much sex as possible in this season where God's saying, no, you need to wait. You need to trust in my timing. You need to wait on me. And, and here's why. The Bible says this, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does for sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. So the Bible's telling us, yeah, all sin, you know, it, it, it hurts the heart of God. It can wound other people. But with sexual sin, it's we're hurting ourselves in a really unique way with this sin. Anything God tells us to do or tells us not to do, it's never to limit our fun. or to, it, It's always to protect us. It's right. always to protect us. And yes, even if we've made those mistakes, because of what Jesus did on the cross, he's paid the price. We can be set free. We're going to talk more about that later. But when it comes to sexual sin, there's just some, some baggage and some scars that, that will happen with it, and God's trying to protect us from that. So if you're in this season then wait on God and know that your life isn't on hold. You can live a full life because it's not a spouse who completes you the way it says in the movies. Jesus Christ is the only one who completes us. He's the one who makes us whole. You're a whole person while you're in this season and you can live a whole life. And in God's timing, he'll bring you to another whole person living their whole life in Christ and bring the two of you together and, you, and, and you, two, two people can be made one and you can have a, a great marriage and a great gift, but your life doesn't start when that happens. Your life is already going. And so wait on God's timing. Don't make those compromises. Even if you've been making them, even if you've been doing it wrong up to now, let today be the turning point where you're like, Lord, I've been wrong in this area, but I'm committing this part of my life to you. I'm asking for the healing that only you can bring and help me walk in a new direction. And he really will. He will, but you guys, we live in a time and a culture where we want stuff instantly, right? Like we don't like to wait. Like I can be in the best mood and like really, you know, have been prayed up that day. I had my quiet time. I'm like just, oh, beautiful sun outside. And then I get in traffic and I'm like, oh, like, like the more I'm waiting. I mean, it's just like I'm becoming a different person because I want to get to the place I want to get when I want to get there, right? And I mean, we're, we're really primed for this because we, if we want to get something you order from Amazon, it's coming to you pretty fast. If you want to see a movie, you don't want to go to the theater, you don't want to wait for it. Sometimes you can find it in different streaming services and you want to do that. I mean, we just have this kind of instant mentality. I desire it, I want to get it. But you know that old saying that good things come to those who wait? That is never more true than when it comes to marriage and sex. You know, sex is a beautiful gift. Once again, I want to say this just so we can remember this. It's a gift. You know, God made us sexual beings. That's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. Okay? And for those of us who are called to be married, he wants to fulfill that and give you that gift one day. But it's a gift that you're not supposed to open until you get married. And so we have to embrace the weight. And how do we embrace that weight? We lean on God. We can't do it in our own strength. It's hard. It's really hard. But we can lean on God's strength and he will help us through it. Yeah, we can. And it's worth the wait. Love is patient, the Bible says. Yes. And so it, it is worth the patience. Now, once you're married, 
These next four seasons, these next four chairs are for you. And I want you and your spouse, as we're talking about these and what they represent afterwards, to have a conversation and say, where, where do you think we are? Which of these four chairs right now? Because I believe every couple is going to sit in each one of these chairs, each of these seasons, multiple times over the course of their marriage. But you've got to be able to talk about your sex life and make it normal. You know, don't, don't make it intimidating, but just to be able to really talk about it. And here's why that matters. Communication is the most important ingredient to a thriving sex life. It yeah. really is. You've, you've got to be able to talk. And the Bible has a lot to say about the importance of communication and telling each other the truth. And there are tons of verses. Here are a few. John 8, 32, Jesus said, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And that verse, he's talking about himself, knowing him, the, the embodiment of truth. But he's also, he's also pointing back to all through scripture, this principle that we've got to be honest. We've got to, we've got to say the truth. Proverbs says it this way, an honest answer is like a kiss of friendship. It's like a kiss on the lips. There is something sweet and intimate and beautiful about being able to just say the truth. That like, this is what I want. This is what I need. This is what I'm struggling with. This is what I'm feeling insecure about right now. This is the baggage that I'm carrying. And to be able to share that with each other. So with all that in mind, we're gonna now kinda go through these seasons and yes. explain what they are. So the beach chair, when you're in the beach season, this is kind of where I think people imagine, because of like movies and stuff, that this is what the way sex looks all, all the time. Because when you're at the beach, every, every, it's hot at the beach, right? And you, you just want to sit in this chair all day, and you got nothing else going on, and it's yeah. amazing, and, and the beach is nice. That's right. It is. Mm -hmm. But nobody lives there. No one lives in a beach chair, because you get sunburned. You get chafed, they're saying, I mean, there's just not practical. Yes. So nobody lives in the beach season all the time. But when you're there, enjoy it. The beach is great. That's right. But then there's other seasons. Like this one is a, is a rocker from, uh, from the nursery here at church. This is the baby season. The baby season represents a couple different things happening. It represents those who are in the season of trying to get pregnant, maybe dealing with infertility issues, which is one of the most complicated issues related to sex a couple can have because we hear from so many couples that say we have to time everything. It feels non-romantic. It feels mechanical. There's all this pressure. It's taken the romance out. It's put all this pressure on us. You have to be so tender with one another in those seasons. And then when babies do come, that changes everything because by God's sense of humor, sex is how you make children, and then once the children arrive, they try to make sure you never have it again, right? <laughs> But we've yes. all, if you've got kids, you've, you've spent time in this chair. Yes. I mean, you parents can relate to this. So, like, you know when you have a day and you're like, oh, my goodness, I think I can get the kids situated, right? This one over here is watching a movie he's been wanting to watch. This, these two over here are playing. They're all safe. It's quiet. You two slip away. And you go to your room and you're like, okay, we're going to ever so quietly get that lock. And all of a sudden, it makes a little click. And it's like the kids are like dogs like whose ears perk up. And they're like, <laughs> they know. mom and dad are having a moment. And they run over there. And before you know it, they're knocking at the door, oh, right, Oh, gosh, sweetie? you get so mad. Like, Dad, can you get me a snack? You're 17 years old. Get your own snack. <laughs> or sometimes it's the little one who really does need help, you know, and he's like so sweet, but it's always the worst timing. He's like, Daddy, Daddy, can you get me a drink? And I'm just like, go away. We'll be out. And then he, you can like hear him like crying and running off, but then I, I don't chase after him, you know. Let him go, cry, and then a few minutes later, I come out and I'm like, Hey, buddy. 
Sorry, Dad was so stressed a minute ago. I don't, I don't know why I'm smoking now. I don't even smoke, but like I'm feeling good. <laughs> let's get that drink you wanted. You know what I'm saying, buddy? You know, I'm. Mean, let's get you a snack too. So I, but they do. The kids just know, and they, they try just to. Know. They try to sabotage it, and you gotta, you gotta laugh. In every one of these seasons, you gotta keep your sense of humor, right? You really, really do. Yes. And you make the most of this. You do, you have to be creative with finding those little moments, okay? And then sticking to it and being like, we love you kids, but we're having a moment right now, okay? We gotta be advocating for ourselves here. But I just wanna own the fact that for a lot of moms who are for in this baby season, you know, there's some things, like if we're choosing to nurse, there's some things that only we can do, right? And it can feel overwhelming sometimes. And we don't necessarily feel real sexy, you know, in that nursing season. And, and it can be like, we're like knee deep in diapers, we're nursing, we're doing all the things we can feel exhausted. And so what do we do with that? We, we have to be honest. Again, it comes back to communication. We have to say like, hey, I, I just am not, you know, finding those pockets of feeling romantic. I really want to. I don't know quite how to get there. And that gives the husband a great opportunity to say, well, how can I help you? Give me something and, and how I can help you. You know, it takes both parents working on all this, yeah. right? We all kind of have our roles to play in this. And I would say, you know, ask for help. Let me tell you husbands, okay? You are never sexier in the baby season than when you are changing a diaper, okay? It is amazing. Yeah, or, or doing something to take something off of mom's plate. Like, yeah. when, when, during that season especially, if she would walk in the house and I would be doing dishes, she would get flustered, like, oh my goodness, I what would. are you doing? Yeah. Doing some dishes, baby. <laughs> I'm, gonna fold, I'm gonna fold some towels after this. She's like, oh my goodness. It's she too much. She couldn't control herself. I call it chore play, you know, so <laughs> it just kind of sets the mood. So it's a real thing. You got you to gotta serve each other, We got to right? serve each other, be there for each other. So the, and the, the kids get a little older, it's not so much the baby stuff, but then, you know, kids get older, life gets busier, you know, you're wor working, maybe you're both working, everybody's coming and going. This stool represents the busy seasons of life, because in our house, kitchen stools are the least comfortable chairs in the house, but they're the chairs that are used the most often. Because they're convenient when life's busy. You know, people are passing through the kitchen. They're sitting down. You know, they're getting a quick snack. They're doing their homework real quick. Or we're sitting down to take care of something real quick. You don't have a lot of time in it. It's not as, it's not as not comfortable as the beach chairs or any of these chairs, really. But it's so functional. And yes. when you're in the busy season of life, and all of us have busy seasons of life, sex is going to be something where you're probably not going to have time to, like, light candles and, you know, put on Barry White music right. or, you know, whatever you're into on Spotify and, like, set this whole big, it, it might just have to be like, hey, we got, we got a few minutes here. Yeah. Let's make the most Let's of it. Let's make this happen. So, yeah. the, the quick seasons. And then yes. there's this chair. This one, this is the most difficult one. And every couple will sit in this chair. On the outside, it looks fine, right? It looks inviting. But what you don't see about this from the outside is that this is actually a broken chair. It's broken. You know, it's, it's hard to sit in. It's, it's delicate. You know, you, you have to be tender and careful in it because it's not fully supported. Something is, is broken. Every couple is going to experience broken seasons in their sex life. Every couple. And probably multiple times. We've experienced this already multiple times. It's the first time we, we did, it was very early in our marriage where I'd had this secret struggle with pornography that, that came to the surface, and, and it's something I'd been dealing with since I was a teenager, and these, these toxic images that I put into my mind now were out in the open, and, and we had to deal with the trust that I had broken in, in my amazing wife, and, and, and 
just how I had to detox my own brain and rebuild her trust. And, and during that season, because of my own sin and action, we were in this broken chair. There are other times where we've sat here and it wasn't because of any sin, it was just because life happened. You know, when Ashley went through a, a, a long season of anxiety and depression, you know, our, our sex life, it, it had to adjust. In more recent years, I went through a lot of physical issues. I got diagnosed probably seven years ago with this, this thyroid disorder, this autoimmune thing. I didn't even know what any of those words meant, but my whole body started just malfunctioning. And over time, until I got the medications right and everything, everything was off. Physically, I was off. Mentally, I was off. I didn't have any energy. My hormone levels had plummeted. I didn't have any sex drive. I went from a guy that had had a healthy sex drive thought I always would to now having no sex drive, and then going even below that to a place where my mind and body were so off that I had actual anxiety about the thought of having sex because I was, I was afraid. I was vulnerable. I felt weak. I, I didn't feel like, I felt like my manhood was gone. I, I wasn't sure how I, my body was going to respond. It was a season of brokenness, but let me tell you, during that season, and things are much better now, you know, I'm so thankful for, you know, for, for medicine and for all the things to kind of get us back, but during a period, there really of several years, things were just awkward. Yeah. And God did something very special during that time. And so why I don't fear the broken season anymore, because we'll be there again. This, these don't happen in any kind of order. Like this chair can happen out of nowhere. You can be sitting on a chair and a leg just comes out from under you and you're like, how did we get here? It can happen quickly and it will happen multiple times in multiple ways over the course of a lifetime. But this is the chair where I think God does his best work in a marriage. The Bible says God is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. When, when you love each other tenderly through brokenness, it binds your hearts together in a way that is so sweet and so intimate and so powerful. And, and so I'm thankful, not in the moment. When we were in this chair, I wasn't thankful for it. But once you get out of it and look back and you realize what God did in that season, I'm thankful that we went through it. Now, I'm not looking forward to the next, the next round, but I know that he'll be faithful then as well if, if we choose to do what we've done in the past and, and face it together. That's right, because we do, we just have to be tender with each other. And you know that vow to love and to cherish? We have to love and cherish each other through everything. And I feel like the couples who really get the love and cherish part, when it comes to these broken seasons in particular, you're gonna get through that so much better because you realize this very important truth that no matter what you're going through in marriage, right? Even if it's just his problem, even if he brought it on himself, even if only one of you, like it was a sin one of you committed, or if it was just something that was brought on you and only one of you is experiencing the effects of it, whatever it is, it's never his problem or her problem, it's always our problem. And especially in those broken seasons, we have to see it that way. And we also, we have to have a sense of humor. We have to keep a sense of humor. You know, our bodies just are not gonna work the same all the time. And what felt good in one season isn't gonna feel good in the next season. You know, we hear from a lot of women who are going through menopause and they're like, man, I just didn't even know it was gonna be this hard. And we have husbands who write us and they're like, man, I didn't know it was gonna be this hard. Like, I feel so inadequate. I don't know how to help her and she's not herself. And she's like, I'm not myself. <laughs> what do I do? And I think what we have to do is again, communicate, be honest about where you are. But when you are being honest, and especially like if you see your spouse is not themselves, because like before you were diagnosed, I'm the one who made the doctor's appointment, because this man does not like going to the doctor, okay? I don't know, anybody else in the room, like we love our doctors, but it's a well, wait, you like, have to wait, you, you have know, to get in the, the waiting chair. The you office know? smell weird, and, and then it's like, 
you got to fill out the same information every time. I'm like, did you lose this? Like, you want me to trust you with my body? It's the same stuff from last time. Like, what did you do with the last 10 of these that I filled out? And it's like... <laughs> There's a process. It, yeah, I know. But you know, I'm like, she finally yes. made the appointment for me, and, and I went, and they ran the blood test, and they're like, oh, yeah, you're all messed you're up. But I, messed it took up. me a while to get there. So guys, yes. like, listen to your... Your spouse sees blind spots in you that you don't see. Mm -hmm. And so when they are pointing out something in love that, like, listen, I feel like, you know, you're not, you're not yourself... Yeah. Just choose to believe that they want the best for you. They're not trying to insult you. They're, they're trying to help you. And she was trying to help me, and I'm so thankful for that. And how we say it matters, you guys. It's not like, you're being a total jerk, and you've been a jerk for the past two years. Do something about it. Like, we don't say that, right? <laughs> we come and we say, hey, you seem on edge. Like, do you need a snack? Do you, yeah, do you need a snack? <laughs> Sometimes you do. Sometimes that's Let all it is. Let me just say, there's, there's power not a, a snack. You don't need a diagnosis. There's not a diagnosis. They're just hungry sometimes. Like, you just need, yes, exactly. But often it's more than that. <laughs> right. And so it's like, you know, having to find those words to say, like, let me help you in this because I want us both to be at our best. We're partners in this. So we go and we find the healing and the help that we need. Yeah, it's so true. And, and when yeah. woundedness has happened, when you find yourself in this season, because there's been broken trust, or because you've been wounded um, in the past and, and now you don't know how to move forward with intimacy with anybody because of past wounds you've endured, that's when you really have to lean into the Lord and experience the grace that he offers and then give that grace to one another. You've gotta sometimes forgive yourself. If you're beating yourself over current or past sins, you've gotta forgive your spouse. And every marriage, every marriage needs that. Real intimacy can only exist when there's real honesty and real forgiveness. That's right, exactly. And there's a lot that the Bible has to say about this. You know, that especially, I mean, these verses are for really all of us, regardless of if we're married. But I think they're, they're even more important in the marriage relationships. And I, I, think, I think we lose sight of that sometimes. I love Ephesians 4.32. It says this, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. I think that's such a great reminder. And then I love this in 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone. A new life has begun. And I think in this verse, I know we've already mentioned this verse before, but when it comes to sexual sin in particular, that is a verse that we tend to forget. Not only if we're married, like towards our spouse, if they did something, like maybe it's their past that you can't get over or something they did to you, like they broke your trust. We tend to forget that. And we tend to forget it with ourselves. We tend to forget that there's a God who forgives us, that we are not supposed to live in shame, that he wants us to rock the road of freedom in Christ, that we hold our heads high as his child, his beloved child, that he gives us beauty for the ashes in our life. But we first have to go to him and say like, I need your help, Lord, I surrender this to you. And I think it's so crazy that sometimes we're convinced that we can't bring our sexual issues or sexual sin to God because we're afraid that he's embarrassed. Y'all, he created it. He knows we struggle with it. He wants to hear from his kids and he wants to help us. And so like when we were walking through that season of Dave recovering from his porn addiction, it was messy. I had feelings all over the place. I mean, I was disappointed, disgusted, shocked, hurt, angry, like all these things. But I knew that because God first forgave me, that I had to give forgiveness quickly. And forgiveness is not saying what you did didn't matter and didn't hurt me. That's not at all what forgiveness is saying. Forgiveness is saying, I give away my right to retaliate and I'm trusting God to deal with you, okay? Because he will. He's just God, there's consequences. There's natural consequences in our lives. 
So we give forgiveness quickly, but then because we give give forgiveness quickly, we allow our partner to regain our trust, okay? Because we don't give trust, we allow them to regain our trust, to work towards us trusting them again. And they do that by showing us through their consistent actions that they can once again be trustworthy. And Dave did that. He walked that road. He got filtering software on all of our devices. We still have those till today. He, you know, you were mentored by people who'd also walked through this. We prayed together. We read books. Like there was all the things that you have to do when you're facing any kind of addiction or any kind of sin. And little by little, we got through that. There were a couple of relapses like with any addiction or any sin issue that we're getting through, but we didn't let that get us down. We knew that God was doing a work and we have to trust that he is making us new creations. And there were days where Dave hated himself because when we're caught in sin, especially sexual sin, it just tends to stick on us. And we feel like we can't get rid of it. We feel like we're damaged. And there'd be days where you, you would just be so down on yourself. And so like, I, I'm just messed up. I'll never get over this. And in those moments as his wife, even as hurt as I was, and believe me, there were times I had a pity party and the Holy Spirit would reckon with me and be like, well, how many times today did I need to, like, did God need to forgive you? Because it's all the time. Because I'm a sinful person too. And I have things God is working on in me. But I knew in that vulnerable moment of day feeling so down that I had to speak the truth of the word to him and say like, yes, you hurt me. What you did hurt me. And it's gonna take me some time to get over this and to also just, for us to get kind of back on the same page with this, it takes time. But you are not your sin. You are God's child and he is making you a new creation. He is rerouting your brain. He is taking away those pornographic images. He is charting a new course in your life. And I'm telling you, when your spouse, and Dave's done this for me many, many times over too when I've had low moments, but when you hear words from your spouse of speaking God's truth, that is just so encouraging. It, it just, it gives you that courage to face another day. And so whatever season, whatever chair you find yourself in, just know that you're not alone. If you're a single person in the waiting season, the Lord is right there with you, helping you through the hard days in whatever you're dealing with. If you're a married person in any of these seasons, he's right there with you, helping you through all of it. He loves you and he wants you to have thriving relationships And he wants you to make sure that you surrender it all to him and not try to do it all by yourself. So good. We wanna give God the last word. I wanna give one more verse to you um, before we just prepare to to close out. And after we close, even after we close, if you're not in a hurry to rush out, uh, hang out in the lobby. We're gonna gonna go to the lobby right after the service and we'd love to to meet you out there, give you a hug, hear your story. Uh, If you can't do that, then we'd love to stay connected with you through our podcast or social media, whatever we can do to stay connected. But... um, before we pray too, I also, I wanna thank again this church. You guys have an amazing church and could we give a hand to your pastors, Pastor Lynn and Lisa. Yeah. You got amazing leaders here, I really do. And don't, do not take them for granted. You've got an amazing staff team. Pastor Brian, the whole crew here is just incredible um, and, and we've loved you. So one last verse, I always like to end with a verse because a, a preacher mentor I had back in Kentucky when I was young starting out gave me the best preaching advice I ever heard. There's a group of us young fellas, and he said, now, fellas, listen, whenever you're preaching, always use lots of scripture. That way you'll know at least something you said is actually true. <laughs> so, so this is actually true. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. 
It says, don't conform to this world's way of doing things, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's yes. will for you is, his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. In a world that's trying to squeeze you into its mold as it relates to sex and all these messages, say, Lord, I want you to renew my mind with your truth, with what it says in, in your word about sex. And I want to I wanna identify my life, who I am, how I should live based on what you say, because God's word will never, ever lead us astray. And I'm so, so thankful to that. So, sweetie, as we close out, would you just pray a prayer of blessing on these amazing folks? Yes, let's pray. Lord, we just stand in awe of your grace and your mercy and your love towards us, Lord. I thank you for each and every person in this room and those watching online. I just thank you so much that they're here. And Lord, I just pray that whatever message you wanted us to take to heart, that we take it to heart. I pray for the married couples in the room to identify which season they're in right now, which chair that they're sitting in right now, Lord. And I pray that it leads to good conversations, that lead to breakthroughs, that lead to more health in their marriage, Lord. I pray for thriving sex lives, we can say that. We know that you created it. It's something that you bless, that you want to bless within the context of marriage and the covenant of marriage, Lord, and we pray for that. We celebrate that. I pray for the single people, Lord, who are in the waiting season, that they don't feel like they need to waste away in that season or push it away, Lord, but that it's a special season where you have special things for them that they can experience and learn that they can't when they're married. And for those who are called to marriage, Lord, I pray that they wait well, that they wait on you and not compromise. And if they have made mistakes, Lord, they come to you and repent and walk towards you, Lord. And Lord, we just thank you so much for the forgiveness you give us, Lord. We thank you so much that you renew us every single day when we ask for it, Lord. We love you, we praise you, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, Thanks, Thank guys. you, guys. Thanks for joining us this weekend. I'm so glad we got to have this conversation together. We know that marriages go through their challenges. We have our ups, we have our downs. If you would like prayer and support today to make your marriage better, we'd love to come alongside of you. Text prayer to 21999 and we'll reach out and pray with you. Hope you have a great day, a great week, and we'll see you next week.